أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome all you listening to Rahil Hamza and Shafiq Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Verbal Outpost where we like to have an informal conversation about real topics and we'd also like you to take part so make sure you do leave us a comment or drop us an email on verbaloutpost at outlaw.com with your thoughts and comments so obviously as everybody knows we live in a pretty modern age of quick technological advancements and pretty fast-paced living and it can be very easy to get caught up in life and the thought of am i up to date with everything you know that could be studies work career home life even being up to date with the latest technology or events or social media and just general news about what's going on in the world. And while we're trying to create this balance between all of these things, it can become pretty easy to forget about or put on the back seat um, what should be our main focus, I guess, and that is our purpose in life. And what is, is that actually makes me and us Muslim? And in the spirit of self-reflection, which we covered some weeks ago, uh, I thought it would be a good idea for us to discuss and just remind ourselves really of why when we're doing a form or something and we get to that question that says, what is your religious affiliation? And we have the urge to tick that box that says Muslim or Islam. And just to clarify, today's show is not about us saying who is and who isn't a Muslim. Um, or even saying who's better than who, but rather it's just an, it's going to be aimed at sort of um, being a recalibration session for all of us to just reassess ourselves to make sure that we understand ourselves and what it is that makes us who we are. Uh, after all, we can never reaffirm our faith, our iman enough. So to really just get things kicked off, what makes a Muslim? What is a Muslim? So what would you guys, if you had to define it in, say, one line or one sentence in a very snapshot moment, how would you define what a Muslim is? Uh, well, me, I mean, I would say, personally, it would be someone who believes that there's one God, sort of the one creator of the world, the universe, and they believe in all the prophets and Muhammad being the last messenger, if I had to sort of sum it up in one basic sort of sentence. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd echo a lot of that. So the textbook answer is yeah, just complete submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, believing that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the final messenger, believing in the angels, believing in the books, um, and being completely, totally obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and having hope in his mercy. That's how I would sum it up. But for me, I think... There's a large part about identity as well. Brilliant. Yeah, I'd pretty much sum it in the same way. You know, sincere belief, which obviously you guys broke down in, in, in a bit more detail. And as Hamza mentioned, um, I guess you'd, I'd term it as a sincere attempt to implement that belief, um, you know, put it into our everyday practice, really, as best we can. Um, so if we all just kind of think back to when we first might have active actively accepted or submitted ourselves to Islam was there any particular point you guys say that, that happened for you or has it just always been there I think 
think in my case, to to a certain extent, it's always been there. Um, we probably had quite a typical cultural upbringing to a large extent. Um, but thankfully, you know, alhamdulillah, my mum was quite learned and gave us a fantastic, um, gave us a very good foundation. Um, and then it was a little bit later on in life. It always helps when you've got siblings, particularly older siblings that become quite religious. Um, and then slowly that propagates across the whole family and then parts of extended family. So that's kind of how it happened with me, with us. Mm, with me, it would be it's actually very different, to be honest. But yeah, my family, we had sort of the cultural version of Islam, but it was very basic, like not even the five daily prayers. It was, yeah, you should do your five daily prayers, but no one in the household was actually doing it. It was sort of just the Friday Jumma. That was more or less, and obviously during Ramadan, you know, everyone becomes a little bit more religious. You might do the one extra prayer here and there, um, going to Tarawih. Um, you know, it's all generally, you be a good person, you don't do anything silly or stupid um, but yeah I did have like that moment but it was when I was much older when I was um, 18 19 um, I went to Bangladesh and there I had my, my family there I mean who seemed just like me you know because I had no experience being around people who were practicing to be honest this, this is it was all sort of new to me when I went to Bangladesh I had family members who were just like me hanging around they were quite modern we lived in this it was in the city and um, I saw them suddenly get up when they heard the Adhan which was new for me it's like hearing the Adhan at the masjid out loud in the whole city and they just suddenly got up from in the middle of us like we were just playing or I can't remember what it was a board game or something they got up and they just walked out you know, to go into the masjid they didn't ask me they didn't invite me or anything but they, that was just normal for them to just oh they heard the Adhan mm. let's go to the masjid I was hearing the Adhan I was just left in that room alone everyone else has got up and left I'm in that room alone hearing the Adhan I look out the window and they're, everyone's rushing off to the masjids and I'm like oh what the heck am I doing? Why am I sitting here listening to the Adhan and not doing anything? <laughs> not doing anything. And so well, and I thought to myself, you know what? That really hit me. And I think uh, I didn't instantly pray straight away. But after we got back to Nottingham and everything, I thought, you know what? It's time to make a bit of a change. And Alhamdulillah, I started my journey with trying to learn how to pray and do my five daily prayers. I knew I had to do these things. I just never really did it before. Alhamdulillah. That's I mean, brilliant, though. Yeah. No, I was going to say, you know, it's it's a good diversity that, you know, on the one hand, we've got Hamza where it's just naturally been there and we have that fluidity, I guess, from the previous generation. And then we see a different perspective from what Shafiq described. What you I think I'd be somewhere closer to what you described where, you know, I grew up in, in a you know, Muslim family. You had that upbringing that you should fast. I mean, I've always fasted from a very early age, but everything else, it was just almost in my head. I didn't really understand the true purpose behind it. Like, you know, it was explained in a way where you should do this or you have to, so you're a better person if you do it. But it wasn't ever, I think, hit home for me, I guess, as, as something that's obligatory, if you mm -hmm. see what I mean. Um, and uh, you know, for years, I, I you know, stuck through a lot. I wasn't even praying Juma, and then one day, I just something hit me, and I just thought, why am I not even praying? And I thought I should at least pray Juma. And then, as soon as I made that thought, I thought, well, hold on a sec. If I start praying Juma, why would I leave behind the other prayers? Mm -hmm. All the prayers are equally important. If I'm going to do one of them, I should do yeah. all of them. 
and then alhamdulillah pretty much when i just started praying it's a crazy moment i can't remember what triggered it yeah i was gonna say it'll be interesting yeah. to know what triggered it see with me i can specifically put it down to that adhan when i heard the adhan i saw yeah. people get up and go and it's just amazing when you look back now when i look back anyway i think to myself all i had to do was hear the adhan out loud sort of thing do you know what i mean like yeah you hear the adhan here but do you know when you see it in a city because that was my first sort of experience seeing a masjid play the adhan out loud in a city i've never seen that before mm. You know, I think maybe obviously I experienced it when I was much younger, but you know, when you're at an older age, it has that bigger impact, I guess. And for me, it did anyway. And I was like, well, wow, imagine if the Adan was playing out here in the UK, you know, in my local masjid here, you know, would it have had the same impact? I don't know. Mm. Well, actually, you know what? Um, when I was, when I lived down south, it was actually a lot like that. Do you know that? In, um, so within east london there's a mosque on every corner and it was just amazing to see the local youths as soon as everybody just knew automatically knew when the jamaat time was because everybody's doing it day mm. in day out so it'd just be amazing you just mechanically get up at that time and just go and pray because it's just on your doorstep yeah. and it's just amazing to see all these very 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 young people which i've never seen anywhere else um outside of that area a whole lot of young people that just go off to the mosque mm -hmm. and i've never seen that here in nottingham yeah. you know that they just but, get up mm, and just go just on autopilot no yeah. thinking no doubts no issues nothing but it goes to show you then the culture that we have is very different to the culture that they have then isn't it because our mm. culture of islam was very i don't know very basic maybe it's very you know do the best you can you know no no one's sort of pushing you or forcing you to do your five daily prayers or anything whereas maybe the culture down south in london is very different from a young age these kids are growing up you know yeah we've got masjids in nottingham on every corner you know we have plenty of masjids but the culture that's coming out of these masjids might be very different to what's coming out down south mm. and it shows when we refer to culture it's not the same it's really not the same. I mean, yeah. if you think about what Hamza just said, his culture of Islam was very different because Alhamdulillah's mum was very educated and she taught him from quite a young age. Whereas for me and you, Rahil, it wasn't like mm. that. You know, we sort of relied yeah. on the masjids to sort of give us some information about Islam, but my parents certainly didn't educate me. Yeah, I mean, that, one memory that kind of comes to mind, even when I started praying, um, I started. I just started going to the masjid as well. I thought I should you know, try and make my way to the masjid as much as I can. And I remember one day the masjid just got so busy and I thought, where's everybody come from? Mm. And I realized it was Tarawi. I was like, well, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know what it was until that day. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was like almost hit me home. They're like, oh, okay, this is, this is Tarawi. <laughs> I had no insight to that before that point. Um, or, or you know any kind of concept for that because it was mm. in Ramadan for you know growing up it was more about the fasting and trying to do the prayers but emphasis on that doing it at home rather than going to the masjid almost. Oh, okay. But yeah, the only exposure I think I had going to the masjid was you know for Quran Quran school and stuff mm. like that in the evenings. I'm sure we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So obviously. Obviously, we talked about how we've come to Islam. Obviously, for other people, there there might be some different things. Um, like people have come from a non-Islamic background. You know, they've converted or reverted to Islam. Um, some people, like 
Shafiq, you mentioned that, you know, a particular event happened and that triggered something. Um, and for me as well, but I just can't remember what that trigger was, <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit weird, I know. Um, and then obviously like Hamza mentioned that it's, there's nothing that in particular that happened. It's just kind of always been there. Um, and that's a bit more where I want to focus the direction I think on um, in the sense that this, I, you know, if we're going to break it down into two basic categories, there's those who have had that upbringing of praying and fasting and all that kind of stuff from the word go um, and they understand why but then you have those that almost do it as a mechanical element so it's just physical motion rather than anything spiritual there um, I mean how important would you say is going beyond the physical motions for a Muslim Um, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. You can have both. I think ideally that's where the balance should be, right? Is that it's not just a case of doing the actions devoid of any spirituality. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the obvious answer is that we do both. We do the action and we do it with um, a level, a sufficient level of spirituality. Mm. In reality, in reality, raising children and getting them to do some of those things mechanically, um, you do it in the hope that they either develop that spirituality as they become more mature or you instill that as well. But doing it the other way around can be very challenging if you haven't instilled that action. Salah, for example, can be quite tough um, to get... You know, just take a 16-year-old as an example. Getting a 16-year-old and trying to instill that into mm. them is a lot harder than it is an 8-year-old. Um, mm. So, yeah, it, it's it's probably important, more important to instill the action to begin with from a very young age. And then hopefully you build on the spirituality element as children grow up and mature in their thinking and in their Islamic thinking as well. Mm. That's what I would say. You think there will be any issue if somebody is doing everything and they understand that they're doing it for the sake of Allah, but they don't have any deeper understanding, I guess, of why they're actually Muslim, why they choose to do those things. They know why they're doing it in the sense that it's part of Islam. But they don't... For, if you're alluding to a bit of soul searching and under getting a good grasp of why you are Muslim rather than my parents have told me to do it this way. Yeah. Of Pretty course much. Yeah. Yeah. Of course that's important. Mm. Um, but, but just to be careful as well with young kids, I mean, I've got my oldest is eight years old. So trying to get him to do any critical thinking at this age is quite difficult. Mm. So maybe when they're a little bit older and they can grasp some of those things and some of the concepts of, like we've talked about on previous shows, we've talked about atheism, we've talked about how there's you know, this very, um, whatever you want to call it, muscular atheism or you know, this quite strong propagation of atheism across the globe. And, yeah. you know, it, it's not just a case of embedding into our kids how to pray how to do salah and the five pillars and this is what islam is but actually 
how does it fit into the global landscape? Because otherwise, you know, he'll be praying up until the age of 18, 19, get to university, figure out, oh, there's a whole lot of rubbish. It can't, you know, it, it can't stand up against some of these arguments against it. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's, import, it's important to have a good rounded upbringing and education, mm. incorporating the dunya and the spiritual side and the Islamic actions as well. I mean, there are probably a lot of people out there, um, uh, the way you describe Raheel, where they're just sort of following the motions. Yeah, they understand that this is what it means to be a Muslim. And there probably are a lot of people out there like that. Um, as to whether that's enough for them, you know, they, they may get challenged, um, as Hamza also mentioned, you know, when they get a bit older, going to university and such. And it's whether they can sort of hold on to their faith uh, when times get tough mm. um it i think from a young age as well it's good to show um it, whether it's your kids or you know just young family members um just show them that you can integrate islam into your daily life um quite easily um and i think if if you don't show them that then they'll always see it as an inconvenience when it comes to doing a prayer or but you know what you know we've got the pressure on us you know that because that is a lot of that is a lot of education a lot of tarbiyah, mm. you know akhlaq that we need to incorporate into our kids yeah and you know we were talking about ex-muslims last week and we we're talking about people that leave the religion and you know you've got no Islam's son um that did not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. so you know all, all these things coming together there's a massive amount of pressure on us and both you guys mentioned as well that you had quite um, typical cultural upbringings. Mm. So look at how different you are from your parents. Well, not you, but all of us. Look how different we are from our parents' generation. So just think about the changes and the difference with our kids and their generation, the second or third generation, and how we've got to then also get our heads around that as well. So you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy and requires a lot of dua and our parents dua as well. Mm. Would you say there's any element of, I guess, to term it in a, in a blunt statement, any parental failing for not having, you know, for, for people like me and Shafiq perhaps where we didn't have a deeper understanding or is that just down to us as individuals? Uh, parental failing as, as in your parents or as in... Just in general. In general, really. Well, actually, it, I would, I would, I would say that. I mean, I, you know, looking at it from glass half full perspective, mm. is both of you had quite a natural fitter that was aligned to Islam and actually was very close. So, um, and knowing both of you personally as well, I would say that actually it was just a matter of time before you started actually practicing properly mm. because you're all already most of the way there like you know in the case with Abu Bakr al-Siddiq so there's a lot of people out there like that mm. uh, and I, I think you mentioned a beautiful example of Nuh alayhi salam's son mm. yeah that was a beautiful yeah. example you know prophet of the highest caliber and even his son in the end wasn't a Muslim yeah so yeah to all the parents out there don't be too hard on yourselves is that we can do the best that we possibly can and that's about it but you know to, 
sort of testament to both your parents as well. You know, mashallah, yeah, alhamdulillah, they've, they've done a good job. They've done a good job. So alhamdulillah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, yeah, I mean, sorry, uh, yeah, you're saying it. I just want to add uh, with the whole sort of parents failing side of the things. I think personally with me, I mean, when I look at my parents anyway, and maybe some of the other parents that I know is that I don't think they knew any better, to be honest. They've been sort of raised on cultural version of Islam as well. And especially from sort of back home, they only know, knew so much. And when they come over to this country here, they're all just trying to fit in and be very English. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, you know, <laughs> you know, and they sort of almost hide parts of Islam, you know, and eventually for some people, unfortunately, it almost fades out completely, you know. Um, but with others, they carry on. I think that's that's where the issue is, is that when they come to this country, it's, you know, Islam isn't the way it was back in Bangladesh or Pakistan or, you know. Do you remember that couple, um, Dennis Cooper from Goodness Gracious? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I remember. I, remember just reminded of that. I mean, thankfully, I don't think our parents were anything like that. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean there's only so much that we can do and um ju just remember as well that the same way that our parents may have failed or done things wrong we're going to do the exact same thing our kids are going to have the same complaints mm. about us so i think mm. um we, we do the best that we can and we're going to make mistakes every parent's going to make mistakes somewhere absolutely yeah and i think you guys both hit some really key points that you know Shafiq mentioned about how much knowledge did they have to begin with to be able to pass on and that's going to that's going to have an obvious impact on how much they can pass on um and and like Hamza mentioned about you know as long as the you know from parental point of view you you're bringing up that tarbiyah that really right upbringing um there's only a limited amount you can do and you know again again going back to the example of the son of Nuali salam you know, a son of a prophet, you know, you can't get any better parental guidance than, than, than a prophet. And yet his own son was a disbeliever. Um, so, yeah. Um, so in, in, in a nutshell, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's really, it is important that we do understand why we are Muslim and what makes us Muslim. And, you know, for, for different people, it's going to be a different journey. Um, but we have to try and give the right upbringing to not just our next generation, but I think as a society, we need to work together. So, you know, like from one friend to another, one community member to another, we need to try and be there to support each other and um, help each other and not be shy to even ask questions. And I think we touched upon that last time um, about when people have reservations, they have concerns, they're not sure where to turn to. Um, I think we're going to be running out of time on this uh, first session of our discussion. So we'll pick up on that in the next show, in the next part. Uh, just to summarize, we've talked about what is the meaning of being a Muslim uh, in this modern age. Um, some of the key points we've talked about is, you know, having parental upbringing uh, as best as it can be. but also everybody having their own points in that journey as well.